0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grants flagship podcast. I am Josh Dooley, and with me as always, this guy absolutely hates Rudy Rudiger and the actor, Sean Astin. He is the one, the only, Chuck Holmes. Chuck, what's up, brother? How are you feeling now that it is officially Notre
1: Dame week? I can't believe Dan Devine let that SOB play in that game. It's ridiculous. It's <laughs> ridiculous. I stand by what I said. I've been, I'm dying on this hill. Rudy didn't deserve to play in that game. And he sure as hell better not show up this weekend to this game.
0: So while we're on the topic real quick, better fictional character from these two schools that we're going to talk about. Obviously, Ohio State and Notre Dame. Johnny Utah, Point Break, or... Rudy, Daniel Rudiger, Rudy. Granted, one was based on a true story. The other, maybe not so much. I've never met a Johnny Utah in my life. But which is the better fictional character representing Ohio State or Notre Dame?
1: It's not Rudy. You could have picked uh, any school and any player. This week, I would have picked that person. Down goes Rudy. Give me Johnny Utah for the win. Come on.
0: That's fair. For what it's worth, I, I do like Rudy the movie. Primarily due to Vince Vaughn and John Favreau, though. Uh, they kind of make the movie. But, <laughs> anyway, uh, Chuck and I are recording this on Monday evening. So, unfortunately, we will not be privy to Ryan Day's weekly Tuesday presser. But, honestly, I do slash did not expect Coach Day to reveal much. Seems like everyone made it out of the Western Kentucky game healthy Not much in the way of position battles, again, at least as far as we could tell. I mean, Jordan Hancock saw a ton of snaps over or in place of Sonny Styles, but that was due to the matchup. Other than that, Chuck, I don't think there were any revelations coming out of last Saturday's game, and by the time this podcast comes up, I don't know what we'll glean from the presser because I assume that Ryan Day keeps it close to the vest this week as he prepares. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. We're going back to the, uh, I sure wish uh, Ryan Day would say more during his press conferences week. I don't know that we will feel that way this week, but that will be uh, what he says. He will say uh, just barely more than Bill Belichick might say this week, but maybe a word or two and that's it.
0: That sounds about right. You know, this The story this week is obviously Ohio State going on the road to face Notre Dame. But partner, this entire weekend is full of bangers in college football. So I want to talk about that first. Week four is like Christmas come early for college football fans. We have a ton of big time matchups. And I'll give you a few of the highlights here. We have Florida State at Clemson. Colorado at Oregon. Ole Miss at Bama. UCLA at Utah, Oregon State at Washington State, Iowa at Penn State, and of course, Ohio State at Notre Dame. Chuck, this might be a little hyperbolic, but my memory sucks, so it could be completely legit. Week 4 of the 2023 college football season is the biggest like most badass slate of games that I can remember this early in the season. And I know that it corresponds with the first real week of conference play for most teams and or conferences, but it's still pretty wild that we get all of these matchups this early in the season.
1: Yeah, I'm sure some of this is based on, you know, most conferences going to nine conference games so this even the team everybody has to start conference play by this point somebody has to so that part of it definitely helps and it is a unique it kind of worked out you know there's a ton of top 25 matchups that maybe some of them we probably didn't even know were top 25 matchups obviously your boy coach prime we didn't anticipate that being a marquee game uh if you told me um Ole Miss or Alabama were going to be this close, You, I would have been kind of shocked if you told me it was going to be 13 versus 15. I mean, so there's some opportunities here that you didn't really expect coming in, and it's uh, it's going to be a banger. I hope the wives uh, expect uh, nothing out of us on Saturday. Uh, except uh, brews being drank and uh, potentially grills being fired up. But besides that, there's, there's not a lot of productivity going on this Saturday.
0: I agree with that, and it's probably going to be one of the last few weekends for grilling here in Columbus, Ohio, at least. Chuck, I know you have the schedule up in front of you, so give me one or two of these other games other than Ohio State and Notre Dame that you are most interested in and that you
1: definitely plan on watching? Uh, So the Ohio Bowling Green game is number one on my list. And it's simply because, I mean, Ohio beat, uh, they beat Iowa State and Bowling Green hung with Michigan. Those are two stud teams. (laughs) No, actually before this weekend, Ah, uh, this past weekend, you know, I'm I'm a Cincinnati guy originally, so I, I have an affinity for the Bearcats. And I was really looking, I was really looking forward to this matchup until they let the Miami RedHawks come down and take their lunch at home. That was embarrassing. So that kind of killed killed that for me. Uh, I still am fascinated. I and I know it's Friday, but I feel like the Wisconsin Purdue game is going to be a good game. I know Wisconsin has not figured it out, and, and frankly, neither has Purdue. But that—that that, to me, that seems like it's going to be a game that should be fun to watch. Uh, UCF at Kansas State, two not top 25 teams, but you wouldn't be shocked if either of them ended up in the top 25 at the end of the season. Uh, and then another one, and I, I – Maybe this is my hoping they do well because I I really enjoyed Mike Leach, but the Mississippi State-South Carolina game. Obviously, South Carolina came off a really good showing this week. They're the kings of really good showings and losses. So we'll see if they can actually take that into uh, a game against Mississippi State that really they should win at home.
0: It's a good point on the last one. And Chuck, I may not have been clear, and I didn't want to interrupt because you were on a roll. Those are all other great games, especially Purdue. Like, for whatever reason, I am oddly interested in them. But of the seven games I listed before, oh no, 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 you were on a roll. Those ranked matchups, which one or two stand out to you?
1: I gotcha. I would have said Colorado, Oregon before Travis Hunter got hurt. But without him, I just don't see how Colorado can keep up. I mean, you saw what happened when he got hurt. They could barely keep up with Colorado State. I I Uh, saw what happened
0: in the first three quarters when they should have lost to, inarguably, one of the worst teams in all of Power 5. So, yeah, I I saw. I was watching. It was a hate watch. I think they're going to get stomped. But what other ones?
1: I think, uh, so Alabama and Ole Miss, because this Alabama, this potential, like, train wreck that could happen, with the quarterback switches, like, is that really going to happen? And if it's going to happen with the lane train on the other sideline, like it could not be a more fitting train wreck if he was there. And then for me, um, I, I want to see if Utah's for real. I know they beat Florida. If they win this game, like I think you've got to start having the conversation of they have a shot because they're going to get their shots in the pac 12 are they one of the two or three or four teams that can actually go win the Pac-12 and maybe crash a playoff?
0: And they haven't had Cam Rising. Excuse me. I mean, they've been putting it together with a backup and and the one kid who's more of a dual threat. I think both of those games that you mentioned are going to be pretty good. Uh, Well, I guess the latter two, Ole Miss, Obama, UCLA, Utah, I guess I'm sort of interested in Iowa at Penn State. I don't think it's going to be a fun game to watch in traditional terms, but I do want to see how Drew Aller performs against uh, what we think is a pretty stout defense. I mean, he completed less than 50% of his passes against Illinois, did not look great kind of got bailed out by the rest of the team. He didn't turn the ball over. No, he did. I'm sorry. Um, he just didn't, he didn't have a great game. And I want to see what he looks like against a stout defense because obviously Penn State and Ohio State are going to play a little bit down the road in late October. So that's one that stands out to me. And yes, I will probably check out Colorado at Oregon because I want to see the Buffs lose. I do Uh, Nothing against Shador and Travis Hunter, who I know won't be playing. It's more their coach. I don't like the way he handles his business. That's just me. I'm probably a hater. But regardless, this week four slate is going to be absolutely bananas. And, And normally, Chuck, we might hit on another thing or two. Typically, we cover Ryan Day's weekly presser. But I think that this Notre Dame game deserves proper credit. And I think that we should give it proper attention. So what do you say we just switch gears and jump in and talk Notre Dame as well as this weekend's matchup? Let's do it. I'm fired up, man. All right. So just thousand foot view here. Obviously Notre Dame, a team coached by former Buckeye linebacker Marcus Freeman. They were a bit inconsistent in finishing nine and four last season, but I think this year's squad is better, or at least more dangerous, solely due to the presence of transfer quarterback and full-grown adult male, Sam Hartman, 24 and a half years old. We'll get to all that, but Chuck, I want to first talk about Notre Dame's 2023 season thus far. Similar to Ohio State, they have not played a team of any real note or significance. They are 4-0 against Navy, Tennessee State, which makes this an Eddie George revenge game, North Carolina State, and Central Michigan. Hartman and the offense have put up great stats, while the defense looks great on paper. But... If I can be a Buckeye homer for just a minute, I would point out that Notre Dame's opponents have been awful, awful football teams. You know, and say what you will about Ohio State's schedule, but, you know, Western Kentucky at least has a pulse, man. I mean, we're talking about one of the most prolific offenses in all of college football. Indiana. Power 5 team, Big 10 team, I think they're better than North Carolina State. So, let's look at these four opponents again. Navy refused to throw a pass against the Irish. And they just flat out can't score. They are currently ranked number 121 out of 133 teams in points per per game scored. Navy, that is. They completed three passes for 43 yards against Notre Dame in Week 1. Next opponent, not going to say anything too disparaging about Eddie George's team, who Notre Dame played in week two. Week three, the Irish hosted North Carolina State. The Wolfpack have beaten, <clears throat> let's see here, Connecticut and Virginia Military Institute thus far. Okay, and Brennan Armstrong is just not a good quarterback other than one outlier season he hasn't been able to hit the broadside of a barn. he gave the ball away to Notre Dame three times and completed less than half of his passes that game. And then last week, obviously, Notre Dame played Central Michigan. The Chippewas got stopped by Michigan State in week one. We could do a Michigan State episode, but another time, another day. And they beat New freaking Hampshire by 30. Three points. Central Michigan did. All right? So, yeah, Chuck, I think that sort of makes this game a Ryan Day revenge game as well, of sorts, right? Transitive property or something like that. Point is, Central Michigan, they also can't throw the ball. If if I am feeling good about one thing in particular or confident about one thing in particular, it is that Notre Dame's defense, especially, is almost completely and utterly untested. So, you know, I, I know you are familiar with Brendan Armstrong, right? Maybe he's got that dual threat ability. Other than that, man, like Notre Dame has played some of the worst offensive teams in the country so far.
1: Yeah, they're not going to be putting this schedule up into the Smithsonian. They definitely get tough. This is their the start of their murderer's row. You know, they've got three or four here in the next uh, month that are just brutal, right? They've got they start with Ohio State, then shockingly they've got to go to Duke on the road is going to be a tough one. Then two weeks later UCLA, then two weeks later at Clemson. I know Clemson isn't great, but going to Clemson is never fun. So they they pat at the front of this schedule knowing the back half was going to be wild. And yes, it does lead, uh, and I'm sure they have the same conversations there that we have here of, yeah, it's great, but who was it? Did you played? You know, we talk about handling business against Western Kentucky and ultimately that's what you got to do. But did we really learn anything? So I'm, I'm guessing, uh, the, uh, The Notre Dame podcasts are having the same conversations we're having. Their defense being untested is very – it it leads you to some hope. Uh, Not hope. Hope's the wrong word. We're we're confident. It gives you some confidence that they're not uh, unbeatable. I tell you what scares you, though, man, is this offense is balanced – They have a lot of receivers that he throws the ball to. He spreads it around. They pound the rock. This will be the first team that Ohio State has played that truly has a balanced attack and is going to be able to attack them with athletes on the ground and in the air. And as long as Sam Hartman doesn't retire before Saturday from old age – they're going to give this defense fits, and it is going to be an unbelievable game to watch because of it.
0: I agree with all of that, and I think that that's a good sort of transition point because I, I said all of the stuff about the schedule and the defense to say this. Let's look at Notre Dame's offense, and you, and you led me there. So, Chuck, let's take a quick break. We'll come back, and we'll really dig in on Sam Hartman and all of those other guys on that notre dame offense that we think are probably going to give ohio state at least a couple of issues so uh chuck and i'll be right back all right welcome back everybody to hang out in the holy land land grants flagship podcast for chuck holmes i am josh dooley and we are talking ohio state notre dame Week 4, one of a number of entertaining games, but really this is the one we care about. <laughs> this is the one that we write about, talk about, and do all that good stuff. And we sort of talked about Notre Dame's schedule a little bit before we took a break. And, you know, look, again, maybe that's me sort of trying to prop my own self up or give myself some confidence or some extra optimism going in. And look, I joke and I jest, but looking at the offense and talking about Sam Hartman, Hartman is a heck of a college quarterback. He really is. And through four games this year, he has thrown for 1,061 yards, 13 touchdowns while completing 71% of his seventy-one of his passing attempts, and not turning the ball over once unless he's fumbled. But I have him down for no interceptions. He now has over 14,000 career passing yards across 52 starts, which is just bananas. Now, in the past, Chuck, he was willing to give the ball away occasionally. You know, he racked up 41 interceptions prior to the 2023 season. But if he didn't play for Notre Dame, honestly, he would be a fun guy to watch And root for. He can run around when necessary and just knows how to make plays, direct traffic. A bit of a
1: gunslinger, so I like that about him. What are your impressions of Sam Hartman? He is a he's a ball player, man. He is so fun to watch. And and the experience leads him to be in complete control of everything, right? He manages this team. And this offense, like you would expect, a uh, prior to the last two weeks, a Joe Burrow does the Bengals um, <laughs> the way <laughs> the way Patrick Mahomes does. They are in complete control of the team. They know where everybody's supposed to be. They know exactly what the defense is going to run. And he, like this guy's not, he he's not flipping it around like Josh Allen. He doesn't have uh, the mobility like Lamar Jackson. Like he is just. He knows where to fit it. He's accurate with the ball. And it really is. I mean, if they were to continue the statistical uh, trend they were on, this would truly be one of the best offenses in the country if they could sustain this against the top-level competition they're about to play.
0: A thousand percent, but I guess I do have some question as to whether or not they will be able to do that. Uh, Obviously, the schedule is going to get Much more difficult, but uh, again, no knock on Hartman necessarily because I do like watching him play against other teams. But you know, earlier in his career until 2022, when he was a what a fifth year junior or whatever at Wake Forest, he had finished each season under 60% completion percentage. Okay, and he did have games where he would turn the ball over quite frequently. You know, he was 12, 14 interceptions per season. Now a bunch of yards, a, b- a bunch of touchdowns to go with it. And Wake Forest didn't really run the ball a ton, right? So he always had the ball. He was always slinging it. But in the past, if, if you gave him the opportunity, he was often willing to turn the ball over or make some, make some gambles, make some poor decisions. Now, Maybe he's just grown. You know, last year he finished above 60% completion percentage. This year looks great, up over 70. But I'm not willing to say that he is bulletproof yet. And I hope, selfishly, I hope that this weekend he falls back into some bad habits. But to your point, yeah, like he knows what he's doing. He's experienced and he's not afraid. And he does look like a vet, which he is, but not at Notre Dame. And it seemed like that transition has been pretty seamless for him. The
1: other part of that that probably hindered him is let's be honest, I know Wake Forest has played well the last few years and they've had some good seasons, but let's not act like the position the skill positions and the talent level at Wake Forest is anything like Notre Dame. And with the four teams he's played, he he has had opportunities that he just never had there. So I think playing at the upper the level or with this amount of skill position players and the other part of this, and this is the part that really scares me the most about this offense. Their running game is clicking right now. And when you got a running game, that's clicking guess what it does for all the, for the quarterback. Look what it did this week for Kyle McCord. If your running game is clicking the way theirs is, God, does that just open up – it just opens up the whole field because all of a sudden linebackers are creeping up. All of a sudden safeties are creeping up. And if you do have good skill position, guys, and your corners and your safeties can't cover, you are in a world of hurt. And that to me is actually the biggest concern is that they get rolling downhill and then he can start popping because of it.
0: You've been a great wingman this episode. You keep teeing me up because I was about to say – Despite Hartman's ability and passing prowess, I I think the strength of Notre Dame's defense is actually Audric Estime or Estime and the running game, and that sounds sort of crazy to say, but I'm with you. I think that it sets Hartman up for success. You know, the Irish have four running backs with at least 76 yards rushing through four games, led by Estime with his 8.3 yard per carry average, bananas. Those four running backs also all have multiple receptions, but the big man is the clear leader. He is arguably the last guy you want to meet in a dark alley. I mean, look at the guy, find a picture of him on Google. I think he is secretly Big E from WWE like they look similar and Estimate is a massive massively built dude I think they list him at like 5'11 6'6, foot 6 235 pounds if I'm not mistaken he is a huss, and so yeah I'm with you I think that Ohio State's secondary has played very very well against at least one prolific passing attack it's not Notre Dame but it's As far as efficiency and the things that they do, Western Kentucky is or has arguably been the better passing game. But to your earlier point, they did not have the balance. And so if Notre Dame is coming at you from both angles, from both sides, then yeah, they can absolutely just, you know, put the fear of God in you.
1: And I got a sneaking suspicion they're going to try to see if he can go eight yards a carry against Ohio State to start this game. And if he can, he might set a record for number of carries. Marcus <laughs> Freeman has no qualms about this guy. He's only gotten sixty carries because he hasn't needed to. Like he so he's fifteen a game in blowouts. He's going they're going to give him twenty to twenty five carries unless they get behind, which great if that happens amazing and we won't have to worry about it but he's going to get 25 carries in this game and they are going to try to see if he can turn those 25 carries into 200 yards and can keep the Ohio State offense sitting their butts on the bench the whole game if they can do it they're in a a world of hurt if not and they make them one-dimensional I think that's that's the key you you're gonna have to make Notre Dame one-dimensional with being able to actually stop the run game.
0: I think I agree with you on what Notre Dame's game plan might be on offense. Yes, Sam Hartman can throw the ball all over the yard and put up yards and points, but I think Marcus Marcus Freeman wants to be balanced and lean on the run, and so if they can't establish that, and they're even if they're getting four and a half, five ish yards per carry. Then yeah, I think that they are going to stick with that because they also have those guys they can rotate in and out. They can put a bunch of guys or throw a bunch of guys at you. And if they're able to do that, that keeps Ohio State Ohio State's offense off the field. So
1: I was that was exactly what I was gonna say. They don't Marcus Freeman has no qualms with the clock rules this week. He wants that damn clock running. He wants both teams to get about four possessions each half. And win this game 21-14. to 14. He would love for that to be how this plays out.
0: And it's sort of interesting, right? Because what was Ohio State's strength on defense last year? It was stopping the run. Sands-Michigan game. But, I mean, even then, I, I don't want to scratch at old wounds. But they didn't get torched until the second half. So, for like 11 and a half games, Ohio State was stout against the run. They really were. So, And you look at... What they haven't excelled at this year, and again, I'm talking about Ohio State, they haven't excelled at getting to the quarterback. So maybe run defense is still a strength of theirs. I mean, it's hard to judge them off of the games they've played thus far because Indiana did not have a great ground game. Same goes for Youngstown State and Western Kentucky, but... The, the yards per carry is, what, like two, two and a half, something like that for Ohio State's defense and what they're allowing. So who knows? Maybe it's a strength-on-strength strength game. And if Ohio State's defense is what we hope they really are in totality, I, I feel good. But I don't want to put the cart before the horse. I want to stick with Notre Dame. You know, on the outside, Notre Dame seems to have some actual receiving weapons this year other than the tight end. Already five players with over 100 receiving yards, led by Chris Tyree, actually a converted running back. He has 216 yards on the season. Nine players, nine different players have scored a receiving touchdown, which is very impressive. I just don't know how much of their success is attributed to Hartman and individual development versus playing shitty teams. I I, I really don't. You know, Tyree is sort of a gadget player, and he's averaging like 40 yards per catch the last two weeks. That's an anomaly, okay? A few of the other guys are averaging 20-plus yards, which is also rare. Unless Notre Dame's just going to do this all year against everyone, and if they do, well then, damn, Ohio State's probably in trouble. But none of these guys had notable production prior to 2023. Now I know that a, a few of them are freshmen and the whole crew it it is clearly talented but I I just don't know to what extent. The teams that Notre Dame has played have just been really awful. And so I don't know how dangerous they really are in the passing game and frankly I hope that
1: we don't find out on Saturday night. The part that scares me about them the most is they've had four different leading receivers in all four games. So it doesn't seem like Hartman's really uh, concerned about feeding somebody. Uh, it's kind of the opposite of what Ohio State does now. Ohio State has talent that Notre Dame doesn't have on the outside. But for for those guys, for them to have four different guys lead, it leads, me th- leads you to think that uh, you better not – think leave this side of the field open, or you better not leave that side because he's not going to discriminate. I would venture to say that those yards per catch are more a, a uh, product of the running game. Right. And I think that's where, if you got to pull guys down, all of a sudden you got double moves, you've got play action, you've got stuff that works. So if Ohio state can manage the running game, the, the catch you're not going to be 25 yards a catch. You're going to have to pull those guys in quicker. So that if what you think can happen there happens, I feel like that's going to rein in some of these big plays that, that seems like they're going every single snap when they throw the ball.
0: Chuck, I think we've figured out your key to the game because you've harped on it, but that's me. I you're strong in your conviction. I get it. you, and this Notre Dame game is not to be... Notre Dame running game is not to be trifled with, so I think it's a good point to hammer that home. And of course, the whole thing is propped up by a really good offensive line, right? Sort of a tradition at Notre Dame. That group is led by Joe Alt, arguably the best left tackle in all of college football. Blake Fisher on the other side is an underrated beast, and the interior is good. So... It's certainly possible that they form a brick wall in front of Ohio State's defensive line. I don't know that those guys need a ton of help, although PFF would tell me otherwise. The lack of production up front for Ohio State has been concerning, whereas Notre Dame's got a lot of talent, a lot of experience on the other side that they're going to be going up against. So I know I've sort of hammered Notre Dame's competition thus far. But their offensive line has provided plenty of evidence that they are absolutely the real deal. And, you know, that again opens it up for the running game, the passing game, things like that. So pick one of the three, and I think it can kill you if you're not playing up to your ability or potential on the other side across from them
1: what notre dame's gonna do is they're just gonna call me an asshole and average like nine yards a carry and ohio state's still gonna beat them by three touchdowns and i'm just gonna (laughs) have spent this entire hour telling you will to a game that that we're completely wrong and then i'm gonna brag about how i was wrong and i still was right the entire pot on sunday i don't know how i'm going to like Make it seem like I was right, but I will work on that as I'm celebrating with a few beverages after the victory.
0: For Ohio State wins, you can do and say whatever you want on Sunday within FCC parameters and rules and fair regulations. Enough. Let's look at the other side for Notre Dame, Chuck. On defense, I think it's fair to say that Notre Dame has a few question marks. Statistically speaking, they are a top 10 to top 15 defense defense in just about every metric there is, except for one that uh, I definitely want to get to. But again, they play some garbage offenses. You can say the same thing about Ohio State, and that's fair, but I mentioned it before. Western Kentucky at least has a pulse. More than that, really. I mean, led FBS in passing last year. The teams Notre Dame has played against in 2023 lead or have led the country in absolutely nothing frankly. So, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but the Irish, to their credit, are taking advantage of it. As a team, they have five interceptions and seven forced fumbles. Uh, I personally think that the linebackers are the strength of this defense. Jack Kaiser and Marist Liu Fau are the top two tacklers, and J.D. Bertrand was right with them, right there with them, before he missed week three due to a concussion. He is supposed to be back, or Marcus Freeman said that he would be back against Ohio State. But that's a good group regardless. I'm going to get to the rest of the guys. Where do you think the strength lies with this Notre Dame defense, though, Chuck?
1: Yeah, it's definitely an up-to-middle defense. Uh, They are uh, stout against the run as well. It sure seems like... um, Ryan Day is going to have to get creative. I I don't think you're just going to be able to line up and just try to bang your head into their line and their linebackers all day. So I hope he's got some things uh, uh, up his sleeve with that. This is where I are in agreement with you, man. Like this is, I'm pretty confident their offense is good and they're going to be able to do some things this week just because they're so good. You could tell me this defense is atrocious, and you could tell me this defense is good enough to win this game and anywhere in between. And I would believe you because of what you said earlier about the competition. It was just so there the offenses of those teams specifically, like are um, like award winningly bad. And one dimensional on top of it. Right. The one dimension thing is almost worse than being bad because then you don't even have to guess. There's no read and reaction. You're just going one way. So that part of it um, and Ohio State offers multi dimensions. Right. We saw the running game and say, you know, there there's a a world where Ryan Day does the kind of the same thing that that Marcus Freeman wants to do. And he wants to – maybe he wants to test this front and see if these linebackers really are as good as everybody says they are the first quarter. And if they aren't, well, then you're cooking. And then if they are, then you can kind of adjust from there.
0: I think Ohio State has to test the pass defense. Uh, But I think they have to stay balanced too. It's just, again, going back to the competition – I won't pretend that I'm familiar with Tennessee State. So, you know, that's on me. But Navy and Central Michigan, they can't throw the damn ball. Period. Navy didn't even try. And North Carolina State, okay, maybe they threw for 200-plus. But I think Brendan Armstrong was like 22 for 46 in that game. He threw the three picks. And we don't know what Kyle McCord's going to do. On a big stage, but dude looked pretty damn good last week. So that's where I think Ohio State, or that's why I think Ohio State has to test this Notre Dame pass defense. That secondary of the Irish is led by a couple of formidable quarterbacks, though. Benjamin Morrison was a freshman All-American who had six picks last year. And then I believe he was a preseason All-American heading into 2023. Cam Hart, on the other side, was honestly their best cover guy at times last year, but he's sort of been up and down as he's dealt with injuries in the past. Largely untested, but certainly capable. And then safety Xavier Watts is a playmaker in the back with three pass breakups and a pick. They also have Nickel Back, nickel corner, nickel slot, whatever, you want to call him Thomas Harper, who actually played for Jim Knowles at Oklahoma State. He is currently fourth on the team with 15 tackles, and he also has a sack, which leads me, partner, to the Notre Dame defensive line. As Buckeye fans, we should tread pretty lightly with the criticism, but... The Irish have not had much of a pass rush either, like at all. It's been pretty piss poor. They have three sacks from their defensive line in four games against that competition. So maybe that part, that trench battle is not as tough a matchup as we thought it was going to be after a week one or two weeks of watching Ohio State. Notre Dame runs sort of like this amoebic defense. They rush three, they rush four. But fact is, those guys up front have not been getting home. So cross your fingers, Ohio State fans, that you're going to be able to take advantage of that. Up front, they do have Riley Mills and Jordan Botello, who plays the Viper position. Each has one sack, but they're not T.J. Watt and Von Miller out there, right? Right. Howard Cross is an undersized defensive tackle. Gives great effort, though, and is currently third on the team with 16 total tackles. And, of course, old friend Javante Jean-Baptiste will be lining up against his former Buckeye brethren. JJP was largely underwhelming while in Columbus, but will undoubtedly be looking to show out against his former squad. He has 15 total tackles this year and precisely zero sacks. So this defense really misses Isaiah Fosky, and it's just it's palpable when you watch him
1: what what i'm hearing is these quarterbacks for both teams are going to have no problems keeping their eyes down the field and driving the ball into spots there there's going to be no happy feet by these quarterbacks because i don't you're you're right i don't think either of them are going to get challenged i know we talked sunday about hoping that that ohio state figures something out i doubt they do i think this is going to be a uh, One by the defensive tackles and linebackers in the run game and then the secondaries because the four defensive ends that are on the field for both teams are just gonna be there as like show pieces. They're like show horses.' Uh, they're uh, they show could ponies. Be our, yeah, they could be a show pony or they could be our trophy wife of the defensive tackle. Here's my defensive end that just kind of hangs out with me all day and doesn't actually go touch the quarterback.
0: Yeah, I mean, both of these these defenses are very similar, and I've sort of picked on Notre Dame's, but you could do the same thing with Ohio State's. You really could. I I think Western Kentucky is a bit of an outlier and a bit of a... It's a bit more of a test just based on what they've done in the past, but Indiana wasn't going to do a whole lot to you. They're probably maybe comparable with... North Carolina State, as far as like proficiency on offense, I guess. And then Youngstown State, apples to apples, apples to oranges, whatever, with Notre Dame's opponents of Tennessee State or Central Michigan. So I, I guess that's a long way of saying the same argument can be made for or against both sides. And I think that goes for the offense and the defense. Like when I really start to look at it, I'm thinking to myself, "Damn, these are two pretty similar teams. Sure Sam Hartman is much more proven at quarterback. Well, okay, Ohio State has better weapons. Both the running back rooms pretty loaded. Ohio State maybe they've got more stars, more proven guys, but Notre Dame has proof of concept this year. Notre Dame has the offensive line edge, flip it over to the other side, defensive lines, both underperforming, Ohio State, great linebackers, probably a notch above Notre Dame's, and secondary, depends on when you're looking at it, right? Up until this year, you'd say, well, Notre Dame probably has or had the better secondary, this year, maybe not so much, BIA seems to be making a comeback there, so, It it's really tough, man, and this is so I think this is where we get to the prediction sort of things because we're just sort of we're talking out loud here. Chuck, in your gut, what are you feeling for or about Saturday night? Did
1: this line go up to three and a half yet, or is it still at three?
0: It's it's one or the other. I'd be lying if I said exactly what it was right now. It's come down. I think preseason it was like seven. Oh yeah. But
1: It was it was I think it was three or three and a half on Sunday. I I think they they nailed it. I think this is a three point game. I I believe uh, the weapons that you talked about are the key and that big gap at the weapons, even though Notre Dame probably is a little deeper and simply because they throw to more guys. I think the weapons lead Ohio state to have just a little bit of that advantage. And I do think the defense, you could argue either way, either team is more skilled. I do think Ohio state's probably playing with a little more confidence after last week, if they're not flying into this game saying we can stop anybody after the way they finished uh, the last two and a half quarters of that game last week, shame on them. It's like that, that, performance over those two and a half quarters is what should send you flying through Notre Dame stadium ready to attack the Notre Dame offense so to it it does feel like a three-point game and a back and forth I could see three or four lead changes I could see it starting slow and then getting going same thing kind of like Ohio State did last week middle of the second quarter after they feel each other out they start to pick it up a little bit and a 27 24 type W for either team, but uh, I, I'm going to go Bucks.
0: Okay, before I give you my prediction, because I'm sure it's going to piss you off and I'm sure that it's going to piss some listeners off, what is the one thing, position group? Who is the one player? that sort of determines the outcome or what's the one entity that you think is the one biggest difference maker and may sort of shift things one way or the other
1: in a scenario that one of these defensive lines can get the quarterback on the ground, that could change things if it happens now. I I don't know that they can.
0: I was going to say that, But I had a backup answer, and I think it's the Ohio State secondary. You can argue quarterback. Kyle McCord's sort of an unknown, right? We're pretty sure what we're going to get or what Sam Hartman is capable of, and we think that Ohio State secondary is really, really good this year, that they've improved. If they prove it, then I I think – the game tilts toward Ohio State. I really do, because even if Kyle McCord is maybe not on top of his game, he doesn't have to elevate his wide receivers. I think Sam Hartman does, if that makes sense. So if Ohio State's secondary is playing to their potential, playing at the top of their game, and they can make life difficult for Sam Hartman, then I think it's difficult for him to raise the floor or even the ceiling of his wide receiver. So that was my backup answer. But getting to my prediction, Chuck, since I have been doing this podcast, the previous iteration with Gene Ross, I've done episodes with Matt Tammanini, and now you and I going on a handful of months here, I have never picked against Ohio State. And so maybe, no. so, no. so I'm going to continue the streak, but I am also not picking Ohio State. I am going to say that this game ends 31 to 27 and I am not giving you a winner. I refuse to, that is my stance. You're not changing my mind. I am predicting a 31 to 27 final, a team will win.
1: Are you going to bet both final scores both ways? Because you put a couple, of, that's going to be a pretty big number. You could bet both of them and then guarantee yourself a few bucks at least out of it. I mean, if you're going to potentially see a Buckeye loss, at least make a little money on it.
0: That's true. And if you hit exact score, you know,
1: that's at least right. plus oh. five,
0: six, seven hundred, if not higher. So yeah, easy. I hadn't thought about that. I might, and maybe I'll change my mind as we get closer, but I think you're in a similar boat here. Like, I just, I really don't know how to pick this game. And I'm also fairly certain that the loser of this game can still hang in the national title race. I can't say the conference race because they, you know, play different schedules or whatnot, but. Unless one team blows out the other by 17, 20, 21 plus, then I I think this is going to be a really good college football game. And as much as I wanted to, well, I don't want to, as much as I was willing to give the edge to Notre Dame because they're playing at home and they have Sam Hartman, Ohio State really showed me something last week. They even surprised me. Not so much Kyle McCord. Um, I've been in that hive. I've been in that fan club for a long time, and I trust Ryan Day. And maybe he'll flat on his fa- fall flat on his face at some point, but I believe in him. I wasn't so sure about the Ohio State defense. I wasn't a believer in totality until they really put the clamps on Western Kentucky. And I know they're a lower-level team, but that means something when you look at the numbers and what they've done in the past. So that sort of leveled the playing field for me. And so, yeah, it's just going to be interesting, man. But I'm not going to give a pick. Like I said, I'm sure that that's sure to upset some people. But that's what I'm here for. Chuck, before we get out of here, anything you want to add prior to this Notre Dame game? Because this is really the biggest preview we've done. It's the biggest game since you and I have been doing this together. Or do you just want to get out of here and start counting down the days?
1: I can't believe you don't have... A set of balls on you to pick a winner. I like I, I've known you for 20 plus years and I would have never and do I need to get one of my kids up here to make a pick for you? Like my goodness, what, what are we <laughs> even doing here? What kind of content? Stephen A. Smith would be embarrassed to have you on you're never going to be on first take. I'm going to send him this if he ever consider if you ever get big I'm sending Stephen A this because there's no way you can go into the biggest game of the year and not pick a winner. That's ridiculous.
0: So if I ever gain or, or achieve that status, I'll say whatever wild shit I want to say. Because it doesn't matter. You can say the most like obscure, silly, foolish things ever on air. And as long as you lean into it, you're going to be considered a personality. Right, like Skip Bayless basically says LeBron James sucks. Guess what? I hate LeBron, but I'd never tell you. Sit here and tell you he sucks. But if I ever get that sort of stardom going for me, yeah, who knows, man? Uh, we'll see. But TBD on that. Maybe down the road, and I'll certainly bring Chuck with me. But for now, he and I are gonna get out of here. As always, we thank you guys for listening. We hope that you will. Engage with us on social, online. Send us emails, tweets, whatever you want to do. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. And Chuck and I will be back here on Sunday come hell or high water. We hope that it's discussing a good result. But until then, as always,
1: go Bucks.